0: Lesson number 6, page 53. Use in God's service. And uh, God wants all of us in His service. You know, there was a big promotion many, many years ago in the U.S. That Uncle Sam wants you. God wants all of us in His service. And He has equipped us. Last week we looked at being equipped to serve. God has equipped all of us with what we need to be in service for Him. God never calls us to do anything that He doesn't prepare us and gives us the tools and the equipment and whatever we need to get the job done, right? He wasn't like Pharaoh who uh, got upset with the children of Israel and told them that they needed to start making making bricks without straw. God never does that. He's not a hard task master. He equips us and then He calls us to use all that He's given us in service him. So the first question on page 53 is what's one of the more useless gifts you've ever received? One of the most useless (laughs) gifts. You got a gift and you say, what am I supposed to do with this? What what good is this going to do (laughs) me? Anybody had a gift like that? (laughs) You know, you, you, you wonder what the person is thinking of yeah. when they thought about getting that gift for you, okay? Now, the, the goal of this, these questions is not to be sarcastic. It's to, you know, consider some of the interesting and funny stories in our lives. You know, I'm sure many of us have, have stories like that, where we got a gift and we said, who in the world, who were they thinking of when they got this gift for me? Anybody, had, anybody ever got an interesting gift that was useless? I mean, you still got it, you can't do nothing with it. Yeah, that would be useless. What are you supposed to do with it, eh?
1: Put on your finger.
0: Yeah, socks that you couldn't put on your finger. Anybody else?
1: You're not to give it away, like someone told me they got a gift the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, it says something to do with wine and stuff, and they didn't drink it. So, mm. they did, so they said that um, uh, the other friend told us, says, Well, you'll have to re gift.
0: <laughs> and that's what people and, do.
1: And after she said they re gift.
0: They, 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 it they wrap it and, walk and walk give it to somebody else. Yep. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people are doing that these days. Re gifting.
1: So, so
0: Dave, you would have to re gift that baby. <laughs> okay, page 54. Page 54. Let's uh, have someone read Bible Meets Life. Look, 54.
2: That's what our parents taught us when received a gift that is completely. The given may have meant well. But you knew but you knew never in a million years would you, we would use it, wear it or display it. We've all been guilty of giving those kinds of gifts. It typically happens in situations where social convention requires us to give a gift, but we just don't know what to buy. So you search the house until you finally find something decent and then hope for the best. God <laughs> so gives gifts too, but He knows exactly what you need. You may not know it at that time, but the gifts He gives, what you refer to as spiritual gifts, as perfect for you, are perfect for you. You might wonder at first how you use those gifts. As we'll see in this
0: section God has a plan for both you and your gifts And he expects you to use them Okay So as you notice God Has a plan For both you And your gift Apparently there are some people who have gifts And they're just sitting on them You can't re-gift these gifts Okay you may be able to re-gift the ones that people give you But you cannot re-gift the spiritual gift that God gives you, you got to use it. And one day God is going to ask you what you did with it. And you're going to have to give an account. And the first
2: one, it's the thought that counts. one preacher say that they didn't
3: think
0: much of him. The first sentence. It's a gift. It's, it's a, a, gift. a thought that counts.
2: Friend Price said they didn't think much of it.
0: And that's true. That is true. People say that it's a thought that counts. But a lot of thought don't go into sometimes the gifts that people get for, for individuals. Okay, let's see what the Bible has to say about all this stuff. Um, First Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, someone read. Uh, 12 to 16 on page 55, please.
1: For as the body is one, one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body.
0: Okay, now notice there's a definition there for made to drink of one's spirit. See that? It's to give us a better clarity and understanding of what that phrase means. Paul is probably alluding to the words of Jesus found in John 7 37-39. 37-39. When an individual trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus satisfies his or her deepest thirst by sending the Holy Spirit into that person's life. All believers are able to drink from these streams of living water. And so that definition is just to give us a clarity on what he means by that phrase, made to drink of one's spirit. Okay, now Jesus and... Uh, when we look at verses 12 to, 13, 12, to 13, twelve and 13, uh, one of the things behind the verses is that Jesus' plan for his church was that it functioned as a unit, not disjointed, but functions as one unit or as one body. However, the church at Corinth experienced division and disunity in a whole number of ways. That church was just an utter confusion. Paul had already addressed the problem in chapters 1 through 3. But here in this, these verses, he used use broader categories to emphasize that no human barrier should divide the body of Christ, including Greeks and Jews, in addition to slaves and free. So how could people from such opposite backgrounds and conditions worship together within the local church. You know, so many people are different, this person is like this and another person like that. The answer is that they are all baptized by one spirit into one body. The word baptize is a translation of a Greek term which literally means to submerge or to immerse. We get a baptism this evening. Trust that uh, many of you will try to make it. Paul was referring to the physical act of water baptism. Well, he wasn't rather referring to the physical act of water baptism. He was referring to one aspect of what it takes, of what takes place at the moment of salvation. When the individual is united through the Holy Spirit with the body of Christ. With the phrase made to drink of one spirit that we just read, that we just looked at. Paul used what we might call parallelism to restate his point. He was probably alluding to the words of Jesus found in chapter 7 of John, verses 37 to 39. When anyone trusts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, Jesus satisfies his or her deepest thirst by sending the Holy Spirit into that person's life. All believers are able to drink from these streams of living water, according to verse 38 of John chapter 7. As Paul stated in Galatians chapter three, verses twenty seven to twenty-eight, these relational unity this relational unity overshadows all other relationships and circumstances that a believer may have in, in their lives. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment there is no Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's the point that Paul is, is, is making. He's making it very clear that we are all one. And so the Corinthian believers should not have allowed anything to divide their worship, their fellowship, or their service. Now we still have that happening today, right? Believers are allowing all kinds of things. Worship, fellowship and service to divide them. Oh, I don't like the way they worship. Oh, I don't like the way they serve. Oh, I don't like the way they fellowship. And that is dividing people in the body of Christ who are supposed to be one. And so that's what Paul is alluding to here in these these verses uh, 12 and 13. Uh, Verses 14 to 16, notice that after establishing the theological basis For the unity of the church Despite the diversity among its members Paul returned to to his illustration He proceeded to deal with Two different potential problems in the body Feelings of inferiority And feelings of superiority And we still have that today, right? There are people in the body of Christ who feel inferior And then there are those who feel superior And they feel as if they can lord it over Those who feel inferior And so you still have that problem today The physical body is a single unit but it is composed of a number of parts, many parts. Suppose that one part of the body felt inferior to the other parts and so declared that it wasn't really a part of the body. And there are people who feel like this. They feel that because they're so, so uh, inferior, they don't want to be with others who make them feel inferior. Because they ex- exert themselves as superior. And that's how come you have people leaving one church and going to the next. Okay, because those who are, who are exercising superiority are making others feel small. And they don't want to be around people who want to make them feel small all the time. Okay, and so this is the issue that Paul is dealing with. And we have that same issue. It, it, it happened all the way back in Paul's day. and It's still happening in the body of Christ today. The problem of superiority and inferiority in the body of Christ. Does that mean that the foot and the air are no longer a part of the body? Of course not, they're still a part of the body, what are you going to do with them? Take them off? What was Paul's point? Some might think that their roles are not important or essential to the church. Oh, child, I ain't got nothing to do, I ain't getting no gift. I just could come to church and just enjoy the fellowship. And they feel as if they don't have no role to play whatsoever. Okay and that's how some people were in the church at Corinth Because they saw others who who were gifted And they were exercising their gift And it made them feel as if they were good for nothing Okay that's what Paul is, is alluding to here And so Paul stressed that in the same way God assigns special roles to each part of the human body He has given specific roles and tasks to each member of the church Everybody have a part to play That's the point Though some abilities and roles might not, might get more attention, or might seem, not actually be, but seem more important, all are appointed by God and essential, very important for the healthiness of the whole body, and that is, remember now, it's the body of Christ, and so it's supposed to be healthy. For that reason, no one should feel inferior or unnecessary. But all should use their gifts to serve God and the church. Not to serve one another, but to serve God. First and foremost. In the process of serving God, we're going to automatically serve one another. And that way, nobody's going to feel inferior. Okay, let's look um, look at the first two paragraphs on page 56. Notice. When you look at a woman, you don't see her as a collection of hands, feet, facial features... And kneecaps. Instead you see her as a complete person. Jesus is the same way with his followers. When he looks at us he sees us as a collection of individuals who make up a single body in the church. Single body the church. Paul wanted to make it clear that all believers regardless of race, ethnicity or gender are part of Christ's body, the church. Racial and social diversity Does exist in the church Which is why he said Whether Jews or Greeks Whether slaves are free But we all have the same Holy Spirit See that? We are one We are one Okay, somebody read the rest mm-hmm. okay. Still our
3: differences can come the that's the subject Paul continued to deal with. It's to the We saw it in the previous session when the churches were had separated into different factions. Sorry, I'm glasses.
0: Go ahead, take your time. Even their to
3: spiritual gifts cross conflict. When some people became proud and arrogant about their abilities, it made others it feel inferior which cause disunity. Mm. Even feel like it feel like sorry, ever, ever feel like in new body. Sometimes people trust the feeling on feelings feelings on us through their both ones. Other times we like the feeling otherwise. When you can choose to play the compassion game, Comparison? After all, we were...
0: I can't see okay, you can stop right there. Okay. Uh.
1: After all, when we take the time to look around, you can always find someone who's better than we are in some way. It's all too easy to compare yourself with others and feel like you're less than you ought to be. Frankly, it's especially sad when we play the comparison game inside the church. Paul wanted to correct that in verses 15 and 16. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the air should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. Your role in the body of Christ may not be as visible as others, but it's no less important. Your spiritual gifts are important and the way you use them in the body of Christ is important. The bottom line, inferiority has no place in the body of Christ. The Holy spirit that lives in your pastor is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. No one has cornered the market on his presence or his gifts.
0: Okay, question number two on page 56 why are we going to get back to a couple past portions to that in a minute but notice the question why are we often tempted to compare ourselves to others why are we often tempted to compare ourselves to others anybody <laughs> well, okay. well, huh? One at a time. <laughs> One at a time. Okay. Who is <laughs> Why are we often to, uh, often tempted to compare ourselves to others? Uh,
3: Mainly because you want to
2: feel as if they are no better than you, or something like that. Okay. You want to make yourself
0: feel better okay or the other person is not better than you okay
3: mostly I think it's wicked
2: for anyone to think that
4: they are better than any other it is it is I think it's
0: very wicked yeah it is anybody else? jealousy jealousy okay that's a major issue in the church jealousy this person is jealous because of what the other person is capable of doing now mind you a person may be gifted and using their gifts the way God intended for them to use it. But another person who has a gift and is not using it is jealous of the person who is using their gift. So that person's jealousy is unwarranted. Any kind of jealousy is unwarranted. if they
1: want that gift
0: of the other person. And of course, that's another thing. They're jealous that they, they don't have the, the gift that the other person has. But nine chances out of 10, if a person is gifted and they use their gifts the way God intended to be used, if they were to look at the other person who they're jealous of, they'll realize that they're just as comparable as they are, or perhaps even better, in the use of their gifts. Okay, but there is, a, there is always a temptation to compare ourselves with others, and the major issue is jealousy. But you
2: know, if a person is really using their gifts to the Lord, they're even only they're beautiful? Yeah.
0: Well everybody is beautiful in God's sight. Okay, let's look at some of the, let's look at that, that paragraph again. Notice. Ever felt ever feel like a nobody? Okay, we're looking at page 56 again. What we just read. Sometimes people trust that feeling on us through their boastfulness. See that? Other times we invite that feeling. We invite that feeling ourselves when we choose to play the comparison game. After all, we can take the time to look around. When we take the time to look around, we can always find someone who is better than we are in some way. It's all too easy to compare ourselves with others and feel like you're less than you ought to be. Okay, that's what people do. People do that. Frankly, it's especially sad when we play the comparison game inside the church. Paul wanted to correct that in verses 15 and 16. You could play that game anywhere else, but the church is not the place to do it. Okay, because God has gifted every single believer, and if every believer used that gift that God has given him in the way that he intended, there'd be no need for, for comparison. But people do it. Verse 15 and 16 If the foot should say Because I'm I'm not a hand I don't belong to the body In spite of this It still belongs to the body Okay, so it doesn't matter what it says Okay If the air should say Because I'm not an eye I don't belong to the body In spite of this It still belongs to the body Okay Last paragraph Your role in the body of Christ May not be as visible as others But it's no less important. Remember that now. Your role may not be as visible as as anybody else but it's not less. Because your role is, is not visible doesn't mean it's not important. Some people think that way though. Your spiritual gifts are important and the way you use them in the body of Christ is important. Okay, another thing that people don't believe. Okay, we look at we, we, are, we are so caught up in comparisons We look at other people's gifts And we say, oh my gift is not as important as that person's gift But every single gift in the body of Christ Is just as equally important as the other In other words, no gift in the body Is less important than the others Okay, just how we use the comparison Of the air saying, oh I'm not important So I don't need to be here Or the foot saying I'm not important, I don't need to be here Each of those are different Each of those are just as equally important as the other And that's the point that Paul is making The bottom line inferiority has no place in the body of Christ the Holy Spirit that lives in your pastor is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you no one has cornered the market on his presence or his gifts okay Which, what would that mean that means that nobody in the body of Christ or nobody in church should feel less important than anybody else Nobody in the church should feel more important than anybody else. That's the point that Paul is making. Okay? As someone once said, the ground is wondrously level at the foot of the cross. There are no, you see when you have the Olympics, you have uh, one person down here who gets the bronze and one person on top who got the gold and another person down there who got the silver, right? That's not the way it is at the foot of the cross. And the foot of the cross is wondrously level. Everybody stands on the same level. Okay, even though individuals in church may exercise their gifts and present themselves in a way to make themselves feel as if they're more important than others, God says, not so. You're all equally important as everybody else. Remember Joseph and his brothers? They were all equal, but the father loved Joseph more. Okay, but they they were all as equally his sons. It's just that he favored one more than the other. Okay, and people do that. But as far as gifts are concerned, all of us are on the same level. Okay, we have an exercise on page 657. Anybody did that? Now remember now, you got these books, you need to do do some of the stuff at home. Okay? Okay, that's the advantage of having the books. So that you do some of the stuff at home, and when you come to class, you already did it. And you just share what you did. Okay? so. Pull out a little plug of uh, your time at Sometime during the week and, uh, and do the exercise See what it says And it may be beneficial to you At that particular point in time Okay, it says uh, in, It's the encouragement game Encourage others Encouraging others Is one of the best ways to combat The comparison game Within your church So here we have an exercise And now we can deal with it for that reason, use the following template to write a note of encouragement to someone in your congregation. Okay, someone that you probably uh, know, struggling with something or close to. And here's a template of how you can do. Dear so-and-so, I really appreciate the way you serve a church as whatever position they're serving in, choir member, uh, elder, deacon, whatever. I have noticed the way you, whatever they do. And I affirm your dedication. Your work has impacted our church in a number of ways, including, and then you list the ways in which they do that. Now now believe it, some people in our church are doing this now. Every now and then, some members of the church get a little encouraging note from another member. Some people are doing it. Okay, but this, this is just an exercise on how we can encourage other members in the church. You are an inspiration to me, and I wanted to make sure you knew that your efforts are both seen and valued. Thank you. I never get one okay? <laughs> You never get <gave> one
3: <laughs>
0: But you could probably give one But you know sometimes Sometimes it takes giving one to, 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 to spur people on Oh but it's a good idea You know I, I can do this to somebody else Okay But people do it all the time uh, So that's a good exercise to do Okay uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses twenty-one, twenty-two, 22 on page 55. Everybody got it? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Someone read it, please. So
2: that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the cannot say to the feet, I, I, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body say, you know,
0: Okay, no page
2: 55,
0: yeah that's right. Okay, you can stop right there, verse 21 and 22. Okay, so the I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So nobody in the body of Christ should be able to say to another believer, I don't need you. That's the point. Okay, we all need each other. But even more, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. In other words, some members in the body treat other members in the body as if they're good for nothing. Good, but good for nothing. Okay, and that's that's the way it ought not to be that way in the body of Christ. One potential problem in any church is for some members to feel unimportant or unnecessary. And again, that's why people leave churches. Okay, because they don't feel that they, they, they've been in the church for a number of years and they feel as if they're not valued. They're not appreciated. They're treated as good for nothing. Another possible mistake is for some members to feel that their gifts or roles are superior to those of other members. You know, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. What I do is more important than what you do. For example, Paul said... Suppose the eye begins to feel superior and tells the hand that the body doesn't need him. Or suppose the hair tells the feet that they aren't needed. Don't miss the exaggeration and the humor in Paul's examples. Okay? It's, 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 it's necessary. How ridiculous for one part of the body to tell another part that it isn't important and not needed. Okay? When God put all the parts there to serve a purpose. From the context of all, in first Corinthians and especially chapters 12 to 14, we realize that Paul wasn't merely offering theoretical possibilities, but dealing with a real situation in a real church. The church at Corinth was having these problems and Paul had to deal with them. Some of the Christians in the church believed that their spiritual gifts were more important than the gifts of other believers. They had forgotten the basic premise of the church. That we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. They'd forgotten that. They also forgot that they're all one in Christ Jesus. And so Paul had to set them straight. The central problem in this situation was not ignorance, but sin. That's the main problem. It was sin. The church members weren't loving one another. That's why Paul inserted the context in chapter 13. In the middle of the discussion on worship, on spiritual gifts, notice especially verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And there's a reason why Paul put that there because of the way the believers were treating one another. Okay, question number three.
3: How do these verses help you understand your place within
0: the church? Okay, so how do these verses help you understand your place in the church? Before (laughs) today. Okay, when you read this these verses, how do you feel now about your place in the church as opposed to how you felt before you read these verses?
2: I feel like I'm in
0: Amen. (laughs) Amen. And they can't without me. That's right. And that's what Paul says. And that's what Paul is saying. They one part can the body can't do without this part. That's what he's saying. And that's what these voices are supposed to tell us. That we are important. All of us are just as important as everybody else in the church. And none of us should feel inferior. Okay.
2: If the no, ones who feel like they are unimportant come alongside them to encourage them and stay to them, and I, I am just important.
0: That's right.
3: This is the thought.
0: That's right. Yes. Well, Very
4: just important. Um, we all do a even you, proper uh, an analysis of everyone that's here present. Mm-hmm. There are people in here right now who, if you talk about this environment, they would not be able to feed themselves, owing to the fact that a lot of us does not have the personality to go up to someone who they do not know Mm -hmm. and ask for help or whatever the case may be. They would stay there and it is just a common factor that be hard to carry people along. Mm-hmm. It's no fault of their own. but that's just the way some people are. Um, men who take a man, many men, mm-hmm. so I found that can go up to a woman and say, May I have this dance with you? <laughs> <laughs> this is the way some of people That's true. Here again, there's uh, some more like myself who talks too much.
0: <laughs> You said that. <laughs> no, it's not. Nobody said that. You said that.
2: He said that.
3: That is true.
4: and that.
0: but just like, just
4: like that. Feel just like
0: me. I out. that's what diversity is all about. Think of what would be like if you have everybody was the same. Okay, that's the way God made us. Show
4: me the perfect person, and I'll leave.
0: That's the way God made us, and we have to appreciate who we are because that's the way God placed us. That's the way God made us, and He placed you where you are because you're needed where you are.
4: Yeah, but then again, also, you also have to look around to see, you have to really know people in order to understand this. Because the person who really is shy, will not come out and says, well, I can't do this, or could you help me? You have to know people in order to pick the system
0: Quite enough and take them along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have people like that. Mm. Okay, let's look at another passage First uh, Peter chapter 4 On page 55 Someone read that Yeah, that's it Go ahead.
2: Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use his office as good manners of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength of God's voice, so that God may be glorified with Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong glory and
3: the power of
0: the Amen. Okay, so Peter is saying, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Let's look at the, the paragraphs on page 59. Someone read those. But let me read the first one and then someone will read the rest. Notice, we find some brief instruction in First Peter about how to use our gifts. We can sum up the main idea like this. Serve others as Jesus would serve them. And speak to others as he would speak to them. Everything we do must be immersed in an attitude of
3: no, no, no.
0: love. Okay, someone read the rest. No, no. Hospitality is a
3: very tangible expression of love, which is why Peter writes, Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Even among non Christians in the first century, hostility was simple. It's simply a common courtesy. God's people don't welcome others out of duty. Rather, we do it cheerfully, without complaining. That speaks of a joyous and loving attitude. Mm-hmm. Love is expressed in whatever spiritual gifts we use. We receive our spiritual gifts by the grace of God. So when, when we use our gifts in a loving manner, do, doing so in a way that sends grace to others, we point to one another, for one who has extended grace to us. In Peter's words, we use our gift so that God may be through Jesus Christ in everything. No two people will serve in exactly the same way. But each of each of us will serve with the great with the gifts God has given us and, <coughs> and wherever He's placed us. Based on the gift, each one has received, received, use it to serve others, as God managed as good, good, sorry, good managers of the various grace of God. I like that word very really. It means multicolored. When you serve and I serve, each in our different ways, God, as God has gifted us, together we bring glory to God like a beautiful rainbow. Yes.
0: Okay. So we see that Based on the gift Each one has received Use it to serve others You see that? Based on the gift not, not the gift you want That somebody else have, But the, based on the gift That you have received Use it to serve others As what? Good managers Now we know what a good manager is, right? When you go to the store And the service ain't good You ask for the manager, right?
3: <laughs> right?
0: And you based... Your determination of how good that manager is based on how he satisfies your needs. Okay, if the manager is, is kind and considerate and says, yeah, okay, I understand, then that's a good manager as far as you're concerned, right? So we know what a good manager is. He says, use our gifts as good managers of the varied grace of God. Okay, let's look at how we can live this out now as we wrap it up. Page 60. How will you actively use your spiritual gifts this week? Consider the following options. Just do it. That's number one. Don't let yourself fall into the trap of waiting for circumstances to be just right. Before you use the gift God has given you. Make a plan right now to take action and do something in service to God's kingdom. Okay, so don't sit around waiting for the time, the right time. Do something now, he says. Okay, just do it. And then, secondly, find help. Using your spiritual gifts doesn't have to be a solo operation. Okay, not an or, or one man band. Find someone to join you in serving God and serving others through your spiritual gifts. Okay, you may be shy and doing something on your own. Okay, so find somebody else to do it with. Get a buddy. That's what they're saying. Okay, as as, uh, Brother Cliff said You know, sometimes we're shy And we don't want to do this And we don't like So you need somebody to help you Come along, do it That's what it's talking about here in this one. Find help On your own, you may not want to do it But if you find somebody else Who can buddy with Then more than likely you'll do it So find help And then number three Encourage others Find a way to encourage someone Who's struggling with his or her Sense of value in the church Know anybody like that? Okay, send a note, like the little note we just saw, the encouragement, a note like that, send a note or seek out a tangible way to remind that person of his or her value in the body of Christ. So there are three things that we can do in order to apply this lesson that we've gone through today, in order that we we can make it work. Okay, notice. Also, on page 68, the bottom, we, we've all received gifts that le- left us unsatisfied. We saw at the beginning, right? Talked about at the beginning. We got gifts, and oh man, I didn't like this. I don't know, what were they thinking about when they bought this for me? Were they thinking about me, or were they thinking about somebody else? Okay, so we've all received gifts that, we, that left us unsatisfied. But your spiritual gifts from God need never drift into the dreaded territory of it's the thought that counts. But <laughs> What are you thinking of when they thought about this? Your spiritual gifts are both useful and valuable in your context. The next step is up to you. Amen.